0: Well, you know, life is full of paradoxes. I, um, I head up, uh, a year ago, I came in to, head to Oxford to head up the uh, Skoll Center for Social Entrepreneurship, and I have a confession to make, which is that I do not like the term social entrepreneurship. But there you go. When I first heard it, I thought it referred to um, entrepreneurs who like to go to parties. But, <laughs> but the issue is entrepreneurs are so busy doing that, you know, forget parties, forget any interaction with human beings at all. They're so focused on what they're doing. Um, But I think the term served a very useful purpose at one point in time because it really did single out um, entrepreneurs who um, are marching to a different drummer um, where it is not about uh, making profit and profit maximization but about how do you apply markets to actually change the world. And that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to make some reference. I know you've been talking a lot about women in the morning and a lot about climate change and energy, et etc. Et I'm going to touch very briefly on that. I'm going to talk more about how do we distinguish commercial entrepreneurship from this so-called entrepreneurship for society or environmental entrepreneurship? What are the, what are the differences and what are the similarities? And I think the very first thing that I want to emphasize is that both types of entrepreneurs are cut from the exact same cloth. There really is very little difference in terms of the nature of what drives them. Neither does it particularly for money. They do it for the challenge. Um, the main difference is that entrepreneurs in the commercial sector are very focused primarily on what we would call value appropriation for investors, for shareholders, etc. whereas Um, Entrepreneurs who are primarily driven by transforming systems and practices that are actually creating inequities or unsustainability are driven by creating or transforming systems and practices that keep that status quo from changing. And I'm going to give you a a few examples. Um, if, If we look at the difference, for example, a couple of years, what 15 years ago, Uh, two young fellows in in Silicon Valley uh, came up with a new and better way, they were, you know, there was a, there were were all these search engines out there and they were rather slow and they sort of identified a disequilibrium, but an accepted disequilibrium in the slowness of these search engines and so they uh, improved upon this and they improved upon the speed and about other aspects of of, uh, the search engines and lo and behold they came up with Google. Um, they, of course, grew Google enormously big. It became a real commercial venture, and it's, um, in fact, done a lot to improve society as well. You know, how many times do we use Google for free every day? Turn around and find another entrepreneur, almost very much driven by, uh, you know, also technology and how to use technology for change, except what he wanted to create was a online open-source system for telling people about places, events, facts, et cetera. And lo, he created Wikipedia, Jimmy Wales. Jimmy Wales did this primarily focused on how do I give people access to information? And so today, Wikipedia is in 10 different languages. Wikipedia happens to be structured as a nonprofit. It still has six six employees that work in Wikipedia, whereas Google is a huge conglomerate. From the very beginning, uh, Larry uh, Page and Sergey Brin focused on, you know, we need to pay back our investors. We need to actually make this into a commercial venture that is going to um, uh, focus on giving money to shareholders and to managers, et cetera. That was what what they needed to do, so they did an IPO. Jimmy Wales, however, has never gone the IPO route, but he's very much about transforming systems. So there's a slight difference. Both need, obviously, to appropriate financial value, Jimmy needs to have some form of financial remuneration, or he won't exist, and Google needs to have some form of value creation for society, or they won't be legitimate. So, what I want to really emphasize is that entrepreneurs of different cloth are basically very much um, uh, driven by the same things in terms of their nature. However, however those that we term social entrepreneurs are really driven by value creation, by changing systems and practices that are creating inequities and unsustainable development. Whereas the commercial entrepreneurs really do have to um, make make a, a, an income. Um, and uh, what I what I'd like to focus on is um, at this point is to highlight one of the most interesting myths. Around this kind of entrepreneurship, and it's what I call the Lone Ranger myth. We seem to have this idea that these entrepreneurs do this, you know, all on their own, and nothing could be further uh, from the truth. I think that. Um, one of the things that, that we learn a lot from watching these entrepreneurs, and I'm talking about the social entrepreneurs here, is a lot about their leadership styles. Um, Kuznets and Posner, who are gurus on the subject of, of leadership, basically define it as, as this. They say, it's the art of mobilizing others to want to struggle for shared aspirations. All leadership involves inspiration, vision, competence, and interpersonal skills. And that's exactly what these kinds of social entrepreneurs do. Because of the fact that they are not um, commercially focused, they basically have to inspire others to come with them to act towards a specific goal, okay? So they, what I see, it's, it's as a virus. It's, they infect other people with the belief that they can also change the world through whatever it is that they're, that they're doing. And they're persistent, they're courageous, they're everything that an entrepreneur is, but they're very focused on social value creation. Um, And that kind of virus can only be spread through a more open style of leadership, one that combines humility and personal confidence um, and doesn't confuse ambition with omniscience. It's worth noting that in this sense, research shows us that In comparison to men, and this is in general, because there are I'm sure you have uh, talked about this morning, there are female or there are gendered types of leadership. There is male gendered, and it doesn't mean that these are all men. Women can also lead like men. Men can lead like women. But in general, women do tend to have more of that open style of leadership from the research that we have been looking at. And that means imposing limits on your ego, Um, and basically overcoming that know-it-all style that seems to be, um, you know, the default mode in so many companies and and other kinds of institutions. I won't name any. Um, (laughs) Women are more apt to recognize that you can think big without having to think of everything yourself. And I think that that kind of approach is unique, unique to the kinds of solutions that we have to come up with today. Um, they're also, and you might say it's probably because we lack confidence or something, anybody can come up with that, but we're much more prone to question our personal beliefs, Our, per, you know, to, to begin to reflect more on, is this really the right way to go to be more questioning? Um, questioning our expertise and our experience, which really are the cornerstones of uh, what traditional careers are built upon. So that ability to unlearn also ushers as we know openness to creativity to you know innovative and market generating ideas that no one else has detected and that's why social and environmental um, entrepreneurs often act as barometers in uh, market opportunities because they zero in specifically on those areas where commercial entrepreneurs won't go because the risks are too great in comparison to the expected financial rewards. And that bleeding edge of the market or that empty space where there's no market yet is exactly where entrepreneurs in this space, social entrepreneurs, environmental entrepreneurs go. They're basically the harbingers or the barometers of new markets for change. Now, I'll give you a, a couple of, of specific examples. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Cressy Westling. Cressy Westling Lives in the U.K. She's an entrepreneur. I guess she's about... She's now on her third enterprise. And she confesses she has always been passionate about waste. That is her big thing, is waste. And um, she's now founded her third. It's called E.A.K.O. She started that in 2004. And it's a company that upcycles waste. Um, It's very ingenious. She basically... um, identify what are the things that will go to landfill that cannot be recycled, and what can I do with that? And she serendipitously came upon fire hose. Fire hose that is not used goes to landfill. There's no, It's not biodegradable. It's extremely thick. And so she thought, what can I do with this? So Again, by sheer, um, uh, you know, by a fluke of of just uh, the way things happen with entrepreneurs. You know, they say that, that these things happen often by accident. I don't know whether it's by accident, but at any rate, she has now gotten into the luxury fashion business where she creates these really swanky bags out of recycled fire hose, and she competes with Louis Vuitton. She doesn't charge the same amount of money as Louis Vuitton, obviously, but she is now giving 50% of her earnings, and she's a for-profit company, 50% of her earnings back to the fire brigade. Obviously, the London and, and the U.K. fire brigades love her. And, you know, she's sort of thinking, what do I do with this, and how can I actually turn this into something that is a market? So she's making all kinds of different things, belts. Cameron Diaz was on the cover of Vogue about three months ago. Cressy was absolutely delighted because it was free marketing, wearing one of her belts. And this kind of imaginative approaches to how do I actually use my business skills and my creativity to create a different kind of market that's going to actually do the right thing rather than what we have seen over the last, you know, certainly couple of years um, with the economy flailing about because of greed and everything else and mismanagement. These are entrepreneurs that see a different way for the way it's really combining markets and values. There's another... um, uh, uh, entrepreneur uh, Harish Hande in India. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of stories that I could continue to go, but I know we're under time constraints. I'm happy to show you the, with you the the presentation that I put together, and happy to talk to you about all of the different models out there that is that are actually looking at how do we create markets to address climate change and to address um and to address energy shortages and to actually you know give a different kind of perspective to um. Uh, life on this planet and, and the people that inhabit it. Um, just uh, a couple of, of other things, a word about women and entrepreneurship. Um, we know that women, and that's in, initially, Cynthia came to see me and she said, you know, women are underrepresented in the kinds of fields of science and engineering. What can we do about it, et cetera. Obviously, this isn't my area of expertise, but being a woman, I'm obviously very interested in this kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, so obviously that's where this, this uh, conference grew out of. But it's interesting to see that that gap is closing. And um, one of the things I found was I went through the literature which you know, to look at, well, what is it really that's going on here? And it, I found one very interesting study that's been done by the Kaufman Foundation this year. And it was looking at uh, a sample of about 600 founders of enterprises in the science and engineering space, men and women, and looking at Are men and women entrepreneurs really different? Um, And this is what I found. It says, um, it suggests that in the U.S. where they do this sample, the response is, yes, they're different, and no, they're not different. Good, huh? Um, Both tend to start their companies in their early 40s, which is interesting. And they share similar motivations and educational levels. Both see prior industry and work experience as a very important factor in determining their uh, startup success. The differences are more subtle. The women surveyed considered past experience even much more important than to their success than men did. And the authors of this report suggest that it's perhaps because past um, experience demonstrates uh, their competence in traditionally male dominated technical fields. Now, when it comes to financing, women seem to rely more on business partners and less on external financing, the VC world, etc. women tend to rely more on their business partners. And among the women that were surveyed, 29% obtained their main startup funding from a business partner compared to 16% of men, which I found quite interesting. And as you might also surmise, obviously professional networks and mentoring means an awful lot more to women than to men hence very important to do these kinds of uh, uh, community uh, to engage a community of, of women in these areas to help one another um, is, is is instrumental so in conclusion with our global economy sort of teetering on you know on, in its shambles in the world facing all these threatening challenges, we really have this opportunity to rebuild, Um, our systems, and shape an economy that combines markets and values. Um, As I love to tell the students all the time, the business of the 21st century can no longer afford to dichotomize. This is where we make our money, and this is where we do good. No more. And the business school students that come here to Said, I'm happy to say, recognize that completely. And that's actually why I'm here, because I thought, you know, At my age, I want to look back and say, what did I do for the future? I mean, I think that's true at any age, actually. But the point is, you know, I really believe that that it's time to really shape a different kind of business leader for the 21st century, men and women. And so, you know, when I ask the students, what is it that you want to do with your future? They're like, look, we want to work for an organization or start an organization that is basically fundamentally innovative, Philosophically positive and morally compelling, and I think that that really sums up where we have to go in this space as well. To use our talents in these scientific fields to really create a new kind of way um, and and or or different approaches using old ways. You know, as Bill Clinton says, there's no new idea in the world. It's just that you know we haven't. We, there's so many great ideas out there. How do we actually scale them? How do we actually replicate them? So I'll leave you with those thoughts, and, and thank you very
1: much. Okay. Uh, I have a great pleasure to speak in front of, of all of you in so prestigious uh, institution like is uh, Oxford. And I'm the first time in Oxford, and I t- hope that I will come again and we we will have a pleasure to share my ideas, experience with all of you. Uh, I will talk uh, uh, on um, the importance of uh, social female entrepreneurship in tackling climate change. In the very beginning, I would like to remind you that the climate change uh, is one of the greatest uh, global challenges in the 21st century, And it is a global problem, but it makes uh, different impacts on uh, genders, uh, professions, uh, regions. uh, And women and poor are are the most negatively affected by climate change. Uh, Almost uh, uh, women are uh, sensitive on uh, ecosystem degradation and uh, uh, physical disasters and hazards. For example, one of uh, my colleagues mentioned that... uh, uh, in uh, Hurricane in Asia in 2004, more than uh, 60, between 60 to 80 percent of uh, women were victims, and uh, in Bangladesh in 1991, more than 90 percent of women were victims. Why? Uh, reason is uh, that uh, the most of them didn't have enough financial resources uh, uh, for evacuation and for surviving. And uh, if we add uh, to this statistical data that uh, more than 1 billion and a half citizens worldwide are poor and that uh, it is about 60%, that three quarters of uh, uh, people are living with less than 2 US dollars per day and the most of them are dependent of agricultural uh, productivity. We know that uh, they are at a high risk and it is not... uh, Difficult to conclude that uh, this problem is, is so severe that uh, uh, it uh, uh, try uh, and requires uh, quite new approach and look at the hidden opportunities in uh, uh, which should be uh, created uh, uh, in the purpose of meeting uh, on the one side the, uh, business and on the other side uh, environment uh, challenges. But uh, I would like more to focus my attention on uh, women and uh, their role uh, in uh, the climate change management. Uh, uh, it is uh, um, uh, clear that uh, the most of women, especially in development countries, uh, about 70% are uh, poor and 65 of them uh, are illiterate or unskilled. And all of them are almost dependent of agricultural production, productivity, and they are uh, also at high risk because they are negatively impacted by environment changes through fluids, pests, uh, uh, temperature changes, and so on. And uh, because of that, uh, it is very important uh, to uh, better, recognition, uh, better recognition of their role in the strategies of climate change, but, unfortunately, that is not <laughs> really in uh, practice. But, uh, uh, I also would like to mention that uh, one great number of women, uh, especially in Africa, are engaged in agriculture, in food production, and less in non-agriculture, uh, non-food production, b- because it is quite logical. Uh, because on one side there is a shortage of food in Africa, but on the other side uh, there is, uh, they uh, uh, like to support their families to survive. But uh, uh, about 23% of them are engaged in service sector, and uh, less uh, than 5% in industry, and uh, also I would like to st- stress that uh, about 5% are managers or top managers. It is very low level. But uh, uh, there is one nonsense. On one side, uh, women produce up to 90% of continent's food in Africa, but on the other side, they are less than 1% uh, uh, holdlanders, landers. Uh, and uh, also, most of them are engaged in uh, informal sectors of activities I mentioned, in. Uh, before in discussion a few words about that and would not like to repeat again. But uh, maybe I can also uh, remind you that uh, uh, they are almost self-employed in uh, informal sectors of activities or they are um, contributing uh, contributing, uh, family members and they are paid uh, less than men or they are not paid at at all. And uh, because they have so uh, 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 low-level position, legal, economical, social, and so on. And uh, uh, especially, they're not uh, uh, their role. Although they produce up to 90% of food on one side, but the other side uh, uh, they are not uh, inc- involved in the decision making and they not uh, uh, society don't count on their role in uh, uh, um, climate change strategies and their role is not rec- recognized enough or equally to combat climate change. What we can do to change something uh, uh, in that case, uh, it is a very difficult uh, question, and most of uh, scientists could not easy, like, uh, could not easy find uh, can find the response for that but uh, 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 all activities uh, uh, should be taken but together by uh, on one side uh, financial institutions governments institutions. Uh, uh, social enterprises, I see their role of social enterprises together with uh, uh, women associations and women organizations, and uh, it is necessary to gather action, to do anything without that. We cannot separately uh, uh, um, solve one problem because uh, environmental issues and uh, Business and economy are very close connected, and uh, we can find uh, in uh, uh, many projects uh, separately uh, research on gender role, or environment issues, or uh, economic policy, on environment policy, but nothing is not not, uh, integrated, and there is no holistic approach. But it is necessary. It is the first step uh, if we want to uh, change something in this field of research. And uh, also, I would like to stress that uh, uh, there are many different forms of uh, uh, social enterprises and social entrepreneurship, but uh, the role of social entrepreneurship is also didn't recognize uh, uh, for only in, in the last several years, years we can find some research in that field. But in developing countries there is almost no research. And only few. I, I, I didn't find too much in that field. That is a very big problem also. And uh, Uh, But what can be a role of uh, uh, social entrepreneurship and uh, uh, generally of female entrepreneurship? Because I'm a professor of female entrepreneurship, I would like to stress specially a few words uh, related to that field uh, of research. Namely, uh, female entrepreneurship uh, should uh, contribute and help uh, uh, to contribute to economic development of many countries worldwide especially to developing countries uh, 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 by increasing uh, GDP per capita, uh, by increasing uh, job opportunities uh, for women, and not only for women, but for others, because almost there is a practice that women uh, employ other women. (laughs) And uh, uh, and, uh, on the third place, uh, female entrepreneurship can help uh, also and contributed to economic de- development in uh, uh, pardon by uh, uh, solving problems uh, related to environment, uh, uh, project, uh, protection, uh, health care and uh, similar problems promptly and on the new and original way. And because that uh, fem- female entrepreneurship is very important, and it is estimated that female entrepreneurship uh, can reduce poverty and contribute to uh, uh, gender equality and also uh, if we uh, reduce poverty we are very close to have uh, economic development balance and also gender equality we know that there is impossible accomplishment of uh, uh, million de- development uh, goals without uh, uh, gender equality, um, and uh, on one side we have balanced economy, and the other side, gender equality. Without that, our economic development uh, is not uh, balanced enough. And uh, also, when I mentioned. Uh, different forms of uh, social entrepreneur- of female entrepreneurship. I would like to mention also different forms of social entrepreneurship. Uh, for example, social entrepreneurship should uh, uh, reduce gap uh, between public and private sector or non-profit sector. In other words, on social economy, how it can uh, be done. Uh, firstly. Uh, through um, uh, some new models and forms of organization and uh, production of food or, uh, mm, or food or some innovation, and what is the difference uh, between uh, traditional models for social enterprises and new models? New models are, all, are almost based on uh, innovation and uh, uh, if we compare uh, them to um, traditional models, and they have a social mission, and, and uh, they also also use uh, all skills, uh, abilities, knowledge uh, to find some good solutions for some problems, uh, uh, and uh, to solve problems and turn into the opportunities, and. Uh, It is estimated that social enterprises uh, are almost the most effective way of doing business. And uh, uh, they're uh, the way of uh, almost they uh, offer uh, services in the field of education, training, and in the field of production, especially food production it is very important for women because most of them are engaged in the agricultural sector of economy and uh, uh, what we can achieve with uh, uh, social enterpre- enterprises uh, in the field of food production uh, organic farming namely are most uh, important because on one side uh, they open uh, new job opportunities for women And uh, new models of uh, uh, productions, new forms of productions uh, develop and, on the other side, uh, keep our planet clean. And uh, they have, at the same time, three different functions, but very important. And, uh, uh, um, in other words, that is uh, uh, green jobs in green economy. And uh, we must fostering... uh, uh, we must foster more green jobs and green economy because uh, uh, it uh, reduces uh, uh, and, uh, on a high level, uh, unemployment rate and unemployment. Uh, we know that women are almost uh, unemployment. Their share in the structure of employment is uh, greater than men. And also they are uh, at a high risk at climate change uh, because they are engaged in the uh, food industry. And uh, also uh, through uh, organic food production they can improve their position. And uh, uh, some uh, social enterprises uh, and some social centers in many countries But I didn't notice, unfortunately, in developing countries, a lot of them, Italy is a leader in social enterprises, uh, because uh, it has a very wide network of social enterprises in different fields. And uh, they uh, uh, offer services in education in three areas. Namely, they uh, help women to start up their businesses, in agriculture and also they, uh, uh, may, they they prepare them to be local uh, rural leaders uh, and also they have some special form of leadership uh, in uh, these organizations and try to find new forms of entrepreneurships uh, th- This is the role of these social enterprises in uh, um, in, in the sector of uh, organic food production. But it is not only benefit for women, it's also benefit for, for communities and worldwide. And uh, when I, uh, when we are talking uh, about uh, uh, education and the role of education, I would like to, to stress uh, that uh, three years ago, I did one research in this field, because I'm especially interested in uh, uh, new forms of education and alternative forms of education. And I try to find, uh, 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 respond or reply on the following questions. Which forms of uh, uh, education and knowledge delivery is the most appropriate to women in the field of uh, uh, in the field of uh, environment uh, and environment prote- protection, and uh, how to educate them, uh, how they can uh, very easy on the on the best ways way uh, uh, reply at uh, to the problems or addressing to the problems uh, uh, as a consequence of climate changes, and uh, uh, I. Uh, founded uh, that uh, IT technologies and uh, special internet and new communications are the best way of uh, knowledge delivery because uh, it is the fast, fastest and the, uh, the cheapest way of knowledge delivery. Uh, of that way, we uh, save money and save time. And it is uh, very suitable to women because the most of them uh, have uh, many activities at home and outside of home, and on that, uh, on that way they can uh, uh, work uh, uh, and learn uh, on the way which is the most appropriate to their uh, work and free time. And uh, also, uh, I, uh, um, my, uh, me, uh, according to my research, uh, I concluded that uh, women. Are pardon? Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that I will be shorter, but uh, (laughs) sorry. And uh, uh, most of them are uh, twice uh, more than others uh, uh, are interested to start up their own business. Uh, I mean that women who pass some kind of education and training uh, using new internet te- technologies and the internet. But uh, there is an, another problem. We know that it is, uh, internet is the key for many uh, problems, but uh, what to do with developing countries without logistic and enough uh, infrastructure for that? But uh, there's some uh, uh, good news, uh, uh, namely, uh, last year, um, some organizations installed uh, about 5,000 uh, weather stations in um, Africa, especially to uh, note, uh, and they almost uh, uh, transfer new uh, changes, climate changes, uh, via a mobile phone. And on that way, it is much easier to predict some climate changes and environment hazards and disasters and uh, to make some uh, uh, disaster plans better than it was earlier. And uh, um, uh, as uh, the President of the United Nations concluded uh, recently, I and I share his opinion, that IT technologies and knowledge are the key in tackling climate change. Um, we must know that, and we must point out, and uh, uh, if we want to use more uh, uh, new technologies in uh, developing countries, especially because there are not uh, too much uh, uh, people who are uh, skilled uh, and who are educated to use uh, IT technologies. We must uh, make network uh, and uh, uh, we as educators and researchers should uh, make some new programs tailored to their needs and uh, also we must, on the other side we must also be uh, educated uh, uh, to help people and to help social uh, enterprises to, uh, to promote them more than it was earlier worldwide and uh, we must know that uh, 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 Kyoto Protocol Agreement is expired very soon in 2012 uh, and now we must take some new actions and uh, to undertake new steps uh, uh, finally, I try to, sh- uh, to <laughs> reduce my uh, presentations and I many things I didn't mention, but it will be opportunity maybe some <laughs> next time. But uh, I would like to share uh, my three wishes with all of you related to this topic. Uh, uh, firstly, uh, uh, all social ideas mu- uh, must be better selected and uh, applied as soon as possible. We uh, we must not wait uh, uh, in uh, social idea selection. And uh, IT technologies, as I mentioned uh, before, and the knowledge and new models of uh, knowledge delivery is of key importance, uh, uh, not only for this problem, for environment issues, but also for economic development. And without that, we cannot uh, account of uh, some progress uh, in the near future. And third, uh, uh, the third, I can um, mention that uh, financial institutions, government institutions, educators, researchers, uh, and together uh, with social enterprises and uh, uh, female organizations uh, ma- must uh, together work uh, on the same issue. And uh, there is a more uh, necessary research in the field of uh, gender and uh, uh, climate challenges, uh, but uh, it is a uh, necessary integrated action of all of us, uh, as I must remind you again that it is a global prob- problem, and we must solve it on a global level. Thank you for your attention. Uh, sorry, because I was <laughs> extended <laughs>